Hi, and welcome to episode 31 of 5 Minutes of Rum. Notes on rum, a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Updegrove. In this episode, I'm figuratively heading back to the West Indies and the island of Martinique for some St. James Royal Amber Rum, which I'll then use in a Donga Punch and a St. Pierre Punch. Now, along with English-style rums from Jamaica, the Agricole rums from Martinique are some of my favorite. That's one of my favorite styles of rum. Uh, and so I'm trying to space out the episodes so I don't get too heavy on any one particular style with too many episodes in a row. Uh, but it feels like it's been a little while since we've done an Agricole episode, and so it seemed like the right time to uh, to talk about St. James. Um, I do have a link in the show notes, um, and I want to especially point out that Ministry of Rum, in addition to just being a general great rum resource, it actually has one of the best reference pages I've found for the distilling operation of St. James on the island of Martinique. Um, one of the things about the website, the official website for St. James as a distiller, is that it's all in French. And so for me, it's a, a little bit harder to penetrate that for information. Uh, and I really do appreciate the uh, work that Ed Hamilton does on the Ministry of Rum website to put up as much information as he does. And I get the impression from reading not just about St. James, but also other agricole rums and the fact that he really likes a tea punch, that agricole is probably one of his favorite categories of rum. And he puts a lot of effort into uh, documenting his experiences when he goes and visits distilleries. So if you aren't already going to Ministry of Rum and you are a fan of rum, uh, which you probably are if you're listening to this podcast, definitely go and check out the Ministry of Rum website. And, and essentially a lot of the information I have on St. James is coming from that website. So thank you very much to Ed Hamilton. Um, so about the St. James distillery, uh, St. James began distillation in 1765 on Martinique. Uh, there's probably some sort of uh, battle for who was first between them and Clement and maybe a couple others on Martinique, but St. James marks uh, 1765 as their start, and they are producing agricole rum uh, made from sugar cane as opposed to molasses. So remember that rum from fresh pressed cane juice is agricole rum um, as opposed to rum that's distilled from molasses, um, and St. James rums are AOC uh um, are governed by the AOC that governs the uh, the Appalachian of Origin that governs a lot of rums from Martinique. Uh, please see episode five of this here podcast for more on AOC and what that means for Martinique rums. Uh, St. James grows most of their own cane and then they supplement what they need for, uh, for additional cane production from local farmers. Uh, they shred and crush the cane at the distillery and they can process up to 60 tons an hour, which is an awful lot of cane. Uh, they produce much more cane juice, in fact, than they can ferment at any one time. And so uh, what they'll do is they'll take some of it and then concentrate it into a syrup and store it. And then out, when they're out of season for sugar cane, they can reconstitute that syrup that they made at the time when the cane was fresh pressed and then distill that into rum uh, later on again when they're out of season. Uh, fermentation for St. James is said to be between 24 and 36 hours and then it's uh, column distilled and let to rest for about six months. Uh, these are, as far as I can tell, they, uh, St. James has six stills on their production or at their production facility, and they are all column stills. Um, I, once the rum has aged for six months, uh, distilled water is added to, in order to get it to the uh, proof that they're looking for, for a rum, for this would give you an agricole blanc. So it hasn't been in wood at all, uh, but it has rested essentially for six months um, and it usually gets distilled down or, or diluted down, I should say, to about 50-55 proof, or I'm sorry, 50-55 ABV, so 100 to 110 proof. Now, St. James does market and sell a version of uh, Agricole Rum Blanc, although I have not seen that for sale in the U.S., so uh, I have not actually tried it. If I did see a bottle, I would definitely buy it because uh, uh, Agricole Blanc is a, a very 
uh, a very good style of agricole, makes a great tea punch. Uh, so I'm confident that it would be good from St. James based on the rest of the rums I've had from them. So more of that distillate uh, is uh, that wasn't used for the rum, for the agricole blanc would then be moved into wood vats for about 18 months. And then this is bottled and sold as rum pie uh, St. James. And the remainder then is rested in oak barrels for three more years. And then that's bottled and sold as rum view St. James. Now, uh, there's a couple other styles that St. James uses there or that they produce. There's the uh, St. James Ors Dodge, which is an, we'll, we'll cover in another show actually. And that's a blend of different age rums that they have. And then there's the Rum Amber St. James, uh, which is also bottled at that site. Um, and that's the rum we're talking about today. Saint, I uh, usually refer to it as St. James Royal Amber, but I guess you can sort of mix the words in any order that you want. Um, one more note on the distillery. They have, like I mentioned, they have six stills. Uh, the six stills represent the second largest distilling capacity in the island. And those stills are, are deployed to make alcohol, uh, to make other alcohol that St. James doesn't bottle like into their own rum. Uh, they make alcohol from fermented molasses. And then all of that product that they've distilled is sold to bottlers in France and elsewhere. So perhaps there's a Denison um, Mar Martinique molasses-based rum connection from episode 30 maybe. So let's talk specifically about the St. James Royal Amber Rum. Uh, this rum is bottled at 90 proof or 45% 40 alcohol by volume. Uh, St. James has, uh, I would say, relatively spotty distribution in the U.S. Um, I actually sent a question to St. James uh, to see if they currently have a U.S. distributor, but it seems to come and go uh, every couple of years. So if you do a Google search, you'll find uh, these uh, pockets where St. James becomes unavailable, and I think it changes hands from different importers. Uh, so I don't actually hoard this rum. Um, I don't, you know, I continue to use it and I buy a bottle if I see it. Um, and the bottles that I have right now indicate that at one time they were imported by the International Beverage Corporation or IBC, or I think they go by Interbev. Uh, and I checked on the Interbev website and there's no mention of St. James anymore. So I'm inclined to think that at the current time they're in between importers. So I will continue to look for bottles and hopefully they have picked up another U.S. distributor because I wouldn't really like to see them not have distribution. Um, Martinique rum overall is just starting to, I, to me, it feels like it's getting a little bit more traction in that they were much harder to find a couple years ago. And then in the last three or four years, there's been more brands that have, you know, had a, a bigger penetration into the U.S. market. So I'd like to see that continue. And I certainly would like to see uh, St. James continue to be imported into the U.S. Um, and it's also an important rum brand to me personally, because this was the first Martinique rum that I found and bought. Uh, when I started my journey down the uh, the rabbit hole of rum, and I was looking for a Martinique rum that I could use in the uh, Trader Vic's Mai Tai recipe from 1944, where the, uh, the 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 blend that was sought was the blend of Jamaican rum and Martinique rum. Uh, St. James Royal Amber was the first rum that I picked up to make um, that Mai Tai recipe with, and it became sort of a, um, you know, it's just sort of one of those things that I held on to is not only did I like that rum, but it has a little bit of that uh, I guess, sentimental attachment as well. Uh, now, let's see. In terms of uh, the tasting and, and aroma and appearance of this rum, uh, it is a, a light brown uh, rum in the glass and in the bottle. By the way, it's a, a cool square-looking bottle. If you haven't seen it, pictures in the show notes, but uh, it is a really uh, nice-looking bottle. Um, I didn't actually use the best glass for swirling this rum, but I did uh, swirl it around a little bit and get some legs that formed, and then they sl slowly dropped down the glass. So seem to be some uh, decent legs on this rum. In terms of aroma, 
Uh, it is grassy and bright, uh, a little bit of the woodiness from the aging, but not a whole lot. And I would say much more tame in terms of the vegetal or funky notes as opposed to say an agricole blanc, but it's not too refined. You still get, um, you still get a lot of that. Uh, you still get a lot of that. Hey, it's an agricole, uh, feel from when you, when you smell it taste, uh, when you first taste it, it comes at you a little bit hot. Uh, it's definitely not hiding the fact that it's 90 proof. Uh, some rums, uh, due to their aging are able to sort of mask a little bit higher proof, but this one is wearing its 90 proof proudly on its sleeve. Uh, it's not harsh. It just, you know, comes at you with some heat and a little bit of warmth. Uh, there's a flash of the woodiness again, kind of like the aroma, but it's not the primary component I get when I, when I taste it. Uh, and grassy is a word that gets, I guess, overused when it comes to agricole and soil isn't a really good description of something that you're drinking. But I would say that when you taste this rum, you can tell that this came from a plant that was in the ground. It tastes maybe one step closer to its source than most rum. Um, and at the very tail end of the swallow, I get a little bit of residual sweetness on my lips, um, a little bit of that you know sugariness from the actual sugar cane. Finish-wise, it's a long finish. It lingers a little bit in the back of the throat. And I noticed when I was finishing the last few drops, I suddenly picked up a little bit more of the woodiness for what it's worth. So again, it's one of those things where um, your first impression isn't going to be your only impression. So when you're sipping rum, it's good to take a few sips, you know, step away from it a little bit, maybe cleanse your palate with some water, come back and take a few more sips. And if you're not trying too hard, you might pick up something you didn't pick up before. In summary, uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm partial to agricole rum just in general as a style. Um, and I like this rum in particular as a bridge between Agricole Blanc and an Agricole View. Uh, it takes a little bit of the edge off of a Blanc, but still has a lot of that Agricole character. Um, I have typically in the past used this rum primarily for mixing, but it's perfectly suited for also sipping slowly out on the lanai if, if, that's, your, uh, if that's your inclination. If you're partial to a more aged sipping rum, you'll probably enjoy this one more for mixing. Uh, and if you like rum because you want a little bit more funkiness and a little bit more distinction, then I would definitely give this a go as one you would want to sip neat. And I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about, uh, once again, talking about the book Sip and Safari, talk a little bit about um, old Don the Beachcomber recipes and then some of the uh, some of the things that went along with those recipes. So um, there's a, a book that I mentioned a couple episodes ago called Sip and Safari. If you're not familiar with Sip and Safari, um, it is basically uh, Beach Bum Berry, Jeff Berry's history of tropical and tiki drink recipes, and more importantly, the stories of the people behind them. So not just Trader Vic and Don Beach, but Ray Buen, Dick Santiago, and, and many others that I'm not mentioning. It was uh, It's written much more like a story, and there happens to be recipes to go along with it. It's a great book, still available. There's a link to it on Amazon in the show notes. If you don't have it, uh, absolutely pick it up. It's sort of the proto Potions of the Caribbean. Potions of the Caribbean is his newest uh, book, and that one is a, and a beautiful hardbound book that I think I've mentioned once or twice before on the show, and I'm still working my way through, but in, nonetheless, it's the same sort of style. It's stories, it's recipes, it's very thoughtfully put together, um, and I can't recommend uh, those books anymore, they're, they're, or I can't recommend them highly enough, I guess is a better way of putting that. Anyways. Uh, chapter two in Sip and Safari talks uh, a bit about some Don Beach, uh, Don the Beachcomber employees, and one of them was Dick Santiago. He was a longtime employee of Don the Beachcomber beginning in the 1930s. His primary uh, job, although he probably did many things at Don the Beachcombers, he was the head waiter. Um, and many of the early Don's recipes that Beach Bumberry has written about are credited as being in a personal notebook of Dick Santiago. So things like the papule, the donga punch, 
the Puka Puka Punch, and many more were all from that notebook that's credited with being a personal notebook of uh, Dick Santiago. Oh, and also in that book was a little cocktail known as the Zombie, which was dated 1934. That is the, the uh, famous Don the Beach uh, zombie recipe, um, uh, which actually we'll get to in a future episode. It's probably about time that we tackle the zombie, um, you know, just sort of build kind of like a zombie. You want to build all these episodes into something gigantic and something large. Uh, the zombie is probably appropriate for that. Anyways, um, these recipes were encoded, uh, so it took some some translation to get what what these uh, what these recipes meant. They were all encoded, so they weren't easily transferable from person to person. Um, and Peach Bumberry says he he got some of that translation work done by another tiki bartender by the name of Bob Esmino, and he was actually able to recreate some of these recipes and figure out what was meant by things like Don Spices Number Two and Don's Mix. So. All the recipes in Chapter 2 of Sip and Safari came from uh, Mr. Santiago's notebook, including uh, the recipe that we'll get to in a moment, Donga Punch. Now, the Donga Punch includes something called Don's Mix. Don's Mix was another one of those encoded uh, recipe, or one of those encoded ingredients that you would use in a recipe, um, and simply put is two parts of white grapefruit juice to one part of cinnamon syrup. And cinnamon syrup talked about in episode 16, so you can go back and check that out if, you, uh, if you're not familiar with it or if you don't have any on hand. Uh, a note on the grapefruit juice, use fresh white grapefruit juice whenever possible. Um, it's much, much better than canned or bottled. It is a little bit harder to come by and it's not always in season, but if you can get a fresh white grapefruit, use that juice and it does make a really, really big difference in cocktails. Um, also of note, uh, pink, pink grapefruit is pretty much available year round. That's the one that most people prefer to eat. Um, that does not give you the same taste nor the same uh, flavor profile. So just FYI on pink grapefruit. It might... You might still like it, but it is a different, definitely a different uh, profile than was uh, than these recipes were concocted using. So Don's mix itself is not very common, except in a handful, maybe two, three recipes. And so, generally speaking, I mix it up on the fly. I don't bottle a lot of it for use later. Um, if you don't want to make your own, there's a link in the show notes. You can get some from BG Reynolds. Um, I've bought I've bought a bottle from him before. Uh, it was good, but if you're going to have cinnamon syrup on hand and grapefruit juice on hand anyways, it's usually pretty easy just to mix up a little bit. Um, typically, I will mix up some Don's mix uh, because I want to make a 1934 zombie, um, and then I get some leftover out of that because it only takes, I think, a half ounce, and then I'll end up using uh, the rest in a Donga Punch. Uh, so Donga Punch, uh, the word Donga is Zulu for a gully in a field, so I don't know exactly how the drink represents that, but that's the that's the reason for the name. And the recipe is three quarter of an ounce of fresh lime juice, one and one half ounce of Don's mix, one and one half ounce of aged Martinique rum. So in this case, we can use the uh, Royal Amber rum from St. James. And then you put all of that in a Boston shaker, half filled with crushed ice, shake it, and then pour into a Collins glass or a Don beach mug. Um, and then if you need to fill it uh, with additional ice, just add some more crushed ice to fill. The other recipe in this episode is called the St. Pierre Punch. Now, the St. Pierre Punch is essentially a dressier version of the Donga Punch and another way to use up that Don's mix you just made for a zombie or a Donga Punch. Um, I made it a couple years ago, I think probably in the fall of 2012, and it was originally called Raising Cane as an homage to the origin of the agricole rum being directly from sugarcane. However, Deadhead Rum has been using Raising Cane as their advertising tag and so I renamed the cocktail to avoid any confusion. Um, I also considered uh, naming it the Mount Pele uh, Punch, as that you know sounds like a nice exotic cocktail. But 
the volcanic eruption of Mount Pele in Martinique in 1902 uh, killed 30,000 people on the island and wiped out the whole city of St. Pierre. And so that seemed uh, even, you know, 100 years later still seems a little insensitive. So I turned it around and named it the St. Pierre Punch to honor the city where St. James got its start uh, before the eruption of Mount Pele, the volcano, um, and to honor, you know, the, the history of uh, St. James within Martinique, the island. Anyways, enough about the history of the name. The recipe for the St. Pierre Punch is one and one half ounce of aged Martinique rum. In this case, we're using the St. James Royal Amber. One half ounce of orgeat, one half ounce of fresh lime juice, one half ounce of Don's mix, and a dash of bitters, uh, either Angostura or Fees. Those are completely different flavors, but you're only using a dash of it. Essentially, what you want is a little bit of uh, aromatic bitters just to give you a little bit uh, more complexity in the cocktail. Now, shake that in a Boston shaker with ice cubes and pour it unstrained into a double old-fashioned glass or a small tiki mug, and then garnish with a lime wedge. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening to 5 Minutes of Rum. Show links and pictures are up on the 5 Minutes of Rum website. That's number5minutesofrum.com. The show is also on iTunes as 5 Minutes of Rum. On iTunes, you can subscribe, you can rate the show, you could even leave a review. Uh, The show is also on Twitter as at 5 Minutes of Rum. That's the at symbol, number 5 Minutes of Rum. Please send in any comments, corrections, feedback, or requests via the 5 Minutes of Rum website or on Twitter. And now, go get some rum.